Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's bonus episode of I Cast Fireball. A podcast where we play through the campaign Tyranny of Dragons normally, but this week, we've got a special bonus episode for you. I'm joined by the rest of I Cast Fireball. I'm Thomas, normally your DM, and around the table, we've got... Mickey, who plays Malamara. Jacob, who plays Lance Thalen. And Ned, who plays Filippo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as I mentioned, this week we have a special bonus episode for you where we're going to take a look back at all of the episodes that we've released up to this point. We're going to check in with our characters and our players, uh, discuss some maybe exciting or unexpected moments that happened throughout the campaign, and just maybe get a little bit more insight into what's the deal with Lance and his yellow scarf. But everybody, how's it going tonight? Dude, I had a bowl of pho and part of a banh mi for dinner, and I am feeling full and great. I almost thought it was going to be a bowl of fondue. I was like, wow, good dinner. Yeah, I just ate like five pounds of cheese, just like slurped them up from <laughs> top. You do That's what you I want. That's how I do things around here. Me and my cat I mean, you're just, just getting into character party. with Fleeple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His fine cheeses. Mm-hmm. There you go. Actually a Ned trait. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, speaking of that, maybe not directly, but indirectly <laughs> of our characters and what inspired them. Let's jump into the beginning of our campaign, the beginning of I Cast Fireball here, specific with the story. Um, it's no secret. In fact, uh, I got razzed quite a bit by the cast here, how most every single intro, whenever I recapped a previous episode, I always would go back to, it began in Greenest, mm-hmm. in a bar called the Winged Dragon. And that is where we started. Everybody... Uh, Lance, Fleeple, Mal, all converging there together for different reasons, uh, different uh, inciting moments, bringing them to this tavern at one at any particular time. But something I wanted to ask each of you, or if anybody feels particularly uh, strong about this, and it builds off of what we actually were joking about with Ned, uh, what sort of attributes do you feel... Um, that your characters took on that are actually attributes that you as a player have in real life. So Ned, you mentioned that you wouldn't be surprised if Fleeple's cheese obsession is a result of your obsession in real life with cheese. Yeah, that is 100% true. I, I can, <laughs> I can get a little bit pretentious about like cheese and about uh, like various cured meats and bits of charcuterie and whatnot. Um, but you know, definitely just, like, his whole vibe of trying to be chill and being friends with people, but also being kind of awkward about it. I feel like that's a pretty direct reflection of myself as a real human. Uh, I can confirm Ned is super friendly with everybody that he meets. Uh, he is just willing to... Um talk to anybody about anything honestly i don't know about the awkward portion i've never experienced that but well maybe it's the fact that we're just the same brand of awkward so you don't notice it as much that feels right you know what i will consent to that i i definitely have some awkwardness that you can see in some npcs as well that are just a direct result of me thomas but yeah, uh, well, Lance or, or Jacob or Mal, do you have any aspects in from your life that you feel are being manifested into your characters? <laughs> Lance or Jacob or Mal. All right. Um, 
I don't get a real name. What? I don't need a real yeah. name. <laughs> Did I not I'm, say a, very, I'm a very oh, private gosh. person. I don't want people to know my name. <laughs> hey, transitioning, that sounds a lot like Mal, a very private person. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, in real life, I love to just bury my axe into people's chests. So I feel like that really manifests as, as Malamara. Uh, no, I feel like I do the exact opposite of I want to be like the cool kid that's uh, not I, not that Mal's cool. She's not that cool. Just like, I don't know. I feel like every D&D character I play, I like pretend that I'm like this this person that I like want to be that I just am not in real life. <laughs> it's escapism. And then it just turns into just me being weird and awkward every time. <laughs> First episode's like angsty. And then after that, it, it like fades away and just back to <laughs> me being awkward as I try and talk to people and try and RP with people. <laughs> Ned, we can be the same. We can be the same breed of awkward too. Yeah. I'm into it. Well, as long as we're all the same brand of awkward, uh, Jacob, any, are you also the same brand of awkward? Is that sort of your motivation or those aspects? Do they bleed into Lance or you think it's something different bleeded into Lance? No, I'm not awkward at all. I'm, I'm so personable. (laughs) Um, there for Lance, Lance is a very interesting character. He's a character, his characteristics are one I've never played before. And a lot of them, uh, do not connect to me in real life as just me as a person, but there is one that I didn't really know I'd lean into so much, but it but it is. And it actually has become kind of what Lance is to a part is I am very analytical about many things. I like to think through every scenario before I even get involved in it. Uh, just the other day, me and my wife were talking about approaching a person and like how we should approach them on a certain subject. And I like for 20 minutes went through, I'm like, okay, well, if they said this, then then should I say this or should I say this? And and like, I, it was like a good 20 minute conversation where I was just analyzing every angle that this possible future conversation could be. And I mean, that's kind of what Lance does. Lance wants to examine every option before committing even to doing it. Um, so I found that that I did not mean for that to happen as much, but it is something that I, I feel like obviously Lance does often. And that does connect to me, um, that I I definitely try and think through things, especially things that I I think will have consequence to them. Not like bad consequence, but just like it will affect something happening. And that is definitely a characteristic of Lance. Mm. I mean, absolutely. I mean, like, how are you going to manage uh, your affairs inside of a cultist camp, for example? That definitely makes sense. The conversations uh, that transpired when you were when all three of you were in that cave together. Amazing. Now that we kick things off, we, I want to go around uh, from person to person and see if they have any and just ask what sort of questions that they have to uh, really help explore things, not only from a DM's perspective, but also from a player's perspective as well. Uh, let's go ahead and start by going to Ned here. Yeah, so we talk about how it's always, yes, we started in Greenest, but I'm interested in looking at the moment right before Greenest, actually. Um, we don't need to necessarily delve super deep into backstories, but like, what were the circumstances that led each of these people to end up in this dinky little town? Ooh, that's fun. I like that. So like, Fleeples is pretty simple. Like, 
He had a big moment that was like, oh, this is going to change my entire outlook on life, ran away from his clan, and Greenus was like literally the first town that he stumbled across. Mm-hmm. So not a lot of like gravity in that sense. It was just what was convenient. And there were people there who were nice enough to kind of accept him and give him a job and whatnot. But, you know, Mal and Lance, where they have people that they're traveling with, that's something that really fascinates me. Like what brought you to Greenest specifically? Um, I wish I could say that I was a good actor that had a really good moment before, and I didn't. (laughs) I have a good backstory before, but I did not... The very first campaign I ran with Thomas, he was like, you're all coming into this place, and why are you there? Like, he told us, like, give a reason. And this was very much... I, like, showed up to the first session and was like, how'd I get here? Oh, I'm on a caravan? Okay, cool. I guess I'm traveling with a caravan now. And so (laughs) I didn't know that until Thomas gave me that situation. So um, I was traveling with a caravan because the DM said I was, and thus (laughs) it is so. Well, we know that I am a a harsh DM and I rule with an iron (laughs) fist. Yes, there are great forces beyond Mal's understanding that are Mm. guiding her (laughs) actions. Absolutely. Uh, I will say for Mal, I I mean, not spoiling anything about her backstory too terribly much, but I know Mal has recently gone on a journey, right? Yeah, she was journeying. She has journeyed from her hometown, but that's kind of where I left it. And I think Mm -hmm. I was expecting to be asked why we were there or just that maybe I was there on this journey. And then he introduced this idea kind of in dialogue that she was traveling with a caravan and I was all of a sudden a part of that. It was like, oh, okay, that's a thing. That's now a thing, (laughs) which makes sense completely with her character. But it did, it was a moment of surprise of, oh, I didn't realize that that was a thing. And I'm going to say yes and to that and continue on with that storyline. And I'm just so grateful for my players for saying yes and when I feel like I've discussed important <laughs> elements about their character or backstory with them in depth, when in reality I have only discussed it with myself. Um, and so I'm just very <laughs> grateful that they are willing to say yes to these transformative moments that completely alter, <laughs> let's say, the beginning of a campaign. So thank you, Mickey. Yes to you. <laughs> you get inspiration this session. <laughs> <laughs> use it use it to re-answer a question if you want. Perfect. Nice. I'd like to go back and re-answer the, the, the previous question. Alright, we'll fix it in post and we'll fix it in post. <laughs> Alright, but uh Jacob. Yeah, for Lance, well, uh I will say I am gonna be the poopy one. And it actually does have a lot to do with backstory of why mm. he ended up there. I will just say as people have known kind of the parts that have been put together obviously already through the story that he was there with a hired bodyguard kebab coab whatever you want to call him (laughs) and he felt like i mean obviously you can infer from that that he felt he needed protection that he is not wanting harm to come to him so he feels like someone is out there possibly trying to harm him um other than that, I can't get into too much more it, without giving away maybe some things that will pop up later. But he he is traveling away from something and feeling like there might be danger. And so he needed a bodyguard. So he found just probably in the closest bigger city to Greenest um, as he was traveling. He just found a hired mercenary and said, hey, 
I need I need some protection, and did not check references as he should have for Coab, <laughs> um, and wound up with probably the worst bodyguard in history. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, that's kind of how well, we to, ended up. Well, to that I'll say, Lance, you get what you pay for. So. I did, I did, I did, I did. You, you know, you always order a kebab, and it somehow turns out not as good as what you thought it was going to be. <laughs> okay. Well, I I had another question. Yeah, go for it. Going kind of in this kind of episode because episode one it it starts off a little slow, but it, it quickly picks up when we get to the drinking game. Mm-hmm. And my question to everyone is one what were what were you thinking during the drinking game like as in like you as the player what was kind of your thoughts going on in that drinking game because I know and I'll just stem it from mine my thoughts as a player is I wonder what pieces of information I can get about these people as we play this drinking game their attitudes their um, their characteristics their personalities that's what I was thinking as a player but then as the character also, what was your character thinking during that whole drinking game? Because my character obviously wanted to get the heck out of Dodge, but was forced into this drinking game through his terrible bodyguard, and he didn't want to he didn't want to draw attention to himself, but then once he realized most of his money might be at stake, that he definitely got into the game quick uh, and used some of his skill set to, to win that game. Uh, so... I wanted to ask each each of the players that, and even the DM too. Like, what were your thoughts in designing that game for us? What did you think it could accomplish for us? So yeah, what were you thinking as a player during the drinking game? The first really interaction we're having with each other, and what did your what was your character thinking during the drinking game? Well, as a player, I was super pissed that I have a plus four to my oh. constitution, <laughs> and f- at level two, and failed <laughs> I to was win a drinking shocked. game. That Lance was, was the one to win the drinking game, honestly. That. Like, I expected some sort of slight in hand, but yeah, Mal has a plus four. Still a little bitter. <laughs> I had a plus four at level two to my constitution. Oh, man. So it sounds like character and player, there is uh, some a, a b- bitterness towards that whole drinking <laughs> Still game, bitter. Ma- uh, Mickey. We we have recorded officially 34 episodes, <laughs> and I am still pissed that in episode one, my plus four did not and win me. And that Malamar still drinking. thinks Lance won legitly. <laughs> man, on my side of things, both Ned and Fleeple were just frantically trying to keep track of how many drinks were consumed so that I could have an accurate <laughs> number to charge Lance at the end of the game. I will say that was a, a beautiful moment for me, uh, comedy-wise. I, I didn't expect to be like, and we'll, I was just going to be like, and you get charged five gold, and then Ned, as Fleeple comes over and goes, that'll be such and such, such mm-hmm. and such, such, such. I was like, brilliant, amazing. That's, oh, it was so satisfying to have... Uh, somebody invested in a different aspect of the drinking game because um, uh, building off or going on to the question that you had for me, I knew that the direction I wanted to go is that Greenus would get ambushed, right? But I wanted some sort of normalcy to occur before things went haywire, before there was an inciting action, if you will, right? If anybody uh, speaks story lingo. Uh, before there was an inciting action to where the tavern gets overrun with kobolds and a battle most likely will have to ensue, I wanted some sort of normalcy. And this kind of was like the last moment of everybody's 
life, quote-unquote life, before they got thrust together here. I mean, everybody was doing their everyday actions of Fleeple tending the tavern, Lance keeping low, uh, Mal just trying to pass a night with drinking before heading onto the caravan the next day. And so I wanted to have some sort of normalcy that would... Uh, give you as the players an opportunity to interact with each other um, and whether everybody joined I I wasn't sure if everybody was going to join and it, we we see that Filippo didn't because it just wouldn't have made sense for a, <laughs> a worker of the tavern to also join into the drinking game and he's super small and super tiny yeah Bevan wouldn't let Filippo get high on his own Absolutely. supply mm-hmm. like that happened too many times am I right <laughs> Fleeble is under every vice in the world. <laughs> Before he got a purpose, maybe. <laughs> I'm not going to deny it, yeah. but I'm not going to confirm it. Just out of curious, what is Fleeple's constitution? What is Fleeple? Oh, goodness. That's like the one stat that I never think of with Fleeple. Di- I think it's actually a flat zero for a modifier. Yeah, let me pull up my character sheet real quick because I uh, didn't think we'd need That's him true. for this Didn't think episode. we need character sheets. Let's see... Yeah, Filippo's constitution is 10, which puts it at exactly a yeah. flat zero. Yeah, I know. I, I I feel like that. I remember that because when we were leveling characters up, Filippo, Ned, you were like, yeah, my HP's at like 12 <laughs> or like five, you know, like and something ridiculously low. And I was like, oh my gosh, you are a pincushion, right? Hey, I'm the squishy man. <laughs> You always forget about constitution until you level up, and then you're like, oh, yeah, that is a good stat to have. Yeah. Yeah, everybody thinks it's a dump stat until they level up. Um, but, yeah, I, I, that was one big reason why I felt like it, it was it possibly a unique spin. At least it was a different spin for me on how I've started a campaign. Uh, obviously, you still have the stereotypical you meet in a tavern, but at this point it felt somewhat organic uh, before everything went haywire. So Jacob mentioned that Lance was kind of using that opportunity to kind of get a scope on the other characters during that drinking contest. I'd be interested to hear about kind of the development of Lance's feelings toward his friends from oh episode boy. one to where we are currently. That definitely was a question I was going to be asking as well, uh, is how, how, have, how have things developed since the beginning of the campaign to where they are now with all of your relationships? Yeah, like, it seems like, I mean, Fleeple's a pretty simple guy. He just kind of generally likes people as long as they're not too big of a dirtbag. <laughs> and it seems like Lance in particular, like, his heart has gone through a lot of softening towards these weirdos, it seems, over these several episodes. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, to answer your question, oh boy, starting, so the progression of feelings. Well, starting off... Starting off, he thought, Lance Thalen thought, Malamara is a meathead who just <laughs> wants to fight and is going to get everybody killed because she's charging everywhere. And then he thought, Fleeple is this adorable thing that I never want to piss off because he will burn me alive. So I have to be friends with this thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which we'll get to later, for sure. <laughs> uh, and then, like... He Lance just obviously Lance is a very distant person and he it's prescribed not prescribed he purposely does that it's actually not something 
as you can tell, as we get further down the line in these episodes, in, into where the current episode that is airing is, Lance does start caring about these people. Um, and that's kind of almost a natural... It, it's weird. Lance has been... Lance has been fighting himself this whole time because he he did even in the very beginning like he thought Fleeple was adorable and that he was this really just stand up little dude and that Malamara is just this woman not to be messed with you know that she is just this fierce warrior but at the same time he has this overarching desire that he cannot uh, he cannot. Well, and he even says this at one point. He says it to when when he leaves the castle and the party almost breaks up um, after Fleeple fought the the kind of the dragon, not the dra- half dragon. What do you yeah. call it? The half dragon. Um, that he's starting to care about these people, and he doesn't like that because he has found in the past that when he cares, things go bad, and he gets hurt. And he doesn't want that to happen. And so he, he this whole time has been trying to distance himself from Malamara, from Fleeple, even though he has to work with them in a sense. But especially in toward the, the near end, this latest episode that came out about the camp, it, he kind of says that to Fleeple. He says like, I can't remember exactly what, what I said as Lance, but he's basically like, I care about you and I want you to know like, that you are some someone that I that I that I want by my side, and even though everything inside of me is saying don't do that uh, for Lance because of his, some of his past experiences, um, he he can't help it because I mean again he's seen the loyalty Fleeple has and just the goodness that Fleeple has and he admires that even though he thinks analytically that's stupid because it's going to get you killed. He can't help but admire that. Mm -hmm. And same thing with Malamara, that she's just this brave warrior. And he admires that, just thrusting herself into battle. But that's going to get her killed. And I can't have that. And he gets analytical again. So he has this this back and forth debate. But it's it's mainly him fighting himself. Uh, But he does learn to start loving these characters. and, And starting to let them break down his walls a little bit more. And a little bit more as time goes on. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't want to get like too esoteric with this, but there's this awesome quote from Alan Watts. Uh, he's talking about kind of the nature of love as an act of faith. Mm-hmm. And like every time you take a step forward, it's an act of faith because you never really know that the ground isn't going to give out underneath your feet. So the act of like letting yourself care about somebody else is a risk. Uh, you're opening yourself up to that possibility of being hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool to see that happening in Lance. It is, and and but in Lance, he also well, and listeners will, as we've recorded a little bit ahead, listeners will find out a little a little bit more about this as he goes on. He's just he he does care about them, and he's you're right. He's taking those steps of, of faith, but he's also in previous experiences he's had faith kind of be shattered, right? And he's fighting against that ever happening again because mm-hmm. he feels like if I love these people then eventually one of them will get hurt and one of them will possibly die. And it's because I let my guard down about being analytical and just said, oh, no, they're just with me. And so he's definitely, he's having that battle and he will probably continue to have that battle for a while inside of himself. And I do have one more kind of sub-question that I feel kind of relates to this. Why Ardina? Oh, 
Why did Lance decide to open up to um, this little girl? It has to do with <laughs> it has to do with Lance's past. I'm really big into backstory, as you can tell. I love backstory <laughs> creating things, and he does say it. So, I mean, people might not have caught on that that's the reason, but it is there, and you could possibly connect the dots. He says to Ardina that you remind me of my sister, and Lance. Uh, he has, I mean, he's alone in the world as we've seen, at least for now. He's, he, he is, you know, he has not talked about any family connections with anybody except for Ardina, actually. He, that's the one person he mentioned a family to. And he, he is alone. And that's another thing. He doesn't, he doesn't immediately like attach himself emotionally to Fleeple or to Malamara because they're not alone. Malamara was with the caravan and Fleeple's, you know, this is his home. But Ardina, she was alone, and that's what Lance is. And he, through past experiences that he's had, he recognizes being alone and being afraid. And in that moment, he wanted to find someone that not everybody would be looking at, um, that would feel alone, and he wanted yeah. to kind of stop that. Like, like you know, Malamara and Fleeple are all about protecting the town and what's the next task. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, because that's probably what you should do, and Lance isn't that way, unfortunately. But he did thought, in all of this protection, what about the person who's lost their parents? What about the person who's lost? And so he went to go try and find somebody because he recognized that this moment that was happening, people can get left behind, and he didn't want he didn't want someone left behind. And that's how he kind of attached himself to her. And I'll say, as a DM, that was won a, a very satisfying RP moment between me and Jacob. I, I wasn't expecting that necessarily, but uh, I, I when I go back and I listen to that, uh, I, especially with Mickey's amazing editing skills, with the, when the piano comes in, I immediately just start like tearing up and welling up and going <laughs> and just start like blubbering about uh, uh, Ardina and Lance. <laughs> uh, it, it was such a satisfying moment in the chaos of the, the the keep getting attacked to have just this intimate moment between uh lance who we perceive being just like kind of a jerk you know and, or like or just being like super like we gotta go we gotta go like uh we, we gotta we gotta escape that's not our job to incredibly compassionate to this one girl you know it was nice to have that door open to take a closer look at what what Lance is all about. Oh, that was so good. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess going off that question, I think that it'd be appropriate to ask you two as well, Mickey and Ned, of your characters' feelings of progression toward each other. Like, Fleeple. How has Fleeple examined Lance in the beginning versus now? I know you said Fleeple, you know, as long as someone's not just an outright, you know, jerk, that Fleeple will just be like, hey, you're okay. But there, there has probably been some progression, and and definitely Lance and mm -hmm. Fleeple have had some ups and downs. And uh, Lance has had, I am so sorry that my character's such a jerk, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I really try. I really try and, like... I don't know. I want there to be conflict because I love conflict in a story, but I don't want it to feel like I'm ever denying any of your impulses. I'm sorry if that's ever happened because it's not what I'm trying to do. I love it whenever you go against <laughs> my character. I love that, and I, I encourage that, but Lance is kind of a jerk. and But I like that progression because I don't like it just being like, all right, we're friends, and it's like, well, no, that's not how life is. Like You have to go through some ups and downs. And so right. I guess the question is, like, how did Fleeple feel about Lance – 
at the beginning versus kind of how we are now in the campaign. And also, Fleeple, how did he feel about Mal? And Mal, same thing with Fleeple and Lance. How has your character's relationship progressed with each other? Yeah, and I would second this question. This yeah. was on my list, actually. Uh, so I, this is a double star question for me. Yeah, as far as how Fleeple feels about Lance, early on he felt kind of, I guess you might say, paternal towards Lance. You know, Fleeple is a very old kobold, and he's been in kind of a position of elderliness of, you know, people come to me for wisdom. And he looked at Lance and was like, oh, this guy just needs some some love and some care, and then he'll come around to us. But as Fleeple started more and more to realize that, you know, maybe I don't know what's going on in this crazy world outside of my clan. Maybe there's a lot less black and white than I thought coming into this, Lance has been a very grounding presence for Fleeple. He's brought a lot of gravity and a lot of light to Fleeple's situation and helped him to realize there are things that I need to be taking seriously that I haven't been taking seriously, and there are things about myself that I haven't been really digging into that I need to dig into. Yeah, I mean, like the whole moral quandary of when you had the, Mm -hmm. when you captured the cultist, that uh, when they snuck up on you Mm -hmm. and you interrogated them, I mean, that was a, I think a great example of what you're bringing up, Ned. Yeah, Fleeple has been just kind of full of this zealotry almost that I think has caused some tension within the group. And, you know, just like Jacob said, where it's good to have Fleeple kind of pushing back against Lance, it's good to have Lance pushing back against Fleeple mm-hmm. to make sure that his heads aren't just up in the platinum clouds trying to chase after Bahamut. Praise be to the platinum dragon. Yes. <laughs> and then as far as Fleeple's feelings towards Mal, in the very beginning, it was just kind of a buddy-buddy, oh, you know, Mal and I agree about everything, and so we're just going to work together to get Lance to tag along with us. I mean, good constable, get bad constable, am I right? (laughs) Exactly. It's the the original duo. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But as time has gone on, and this is going to show up much later on in the campaign than we've reached at this point, but Fleeple is starting to have his questions about Mal as far as, like, what's going on with this weird darkness that shows up whenever we get into a fight and this rage. So it's this kind of really interesting progression where Fleeple's feelings towards Lance kind of started out maybe largely on the negative side and been steadily getting more and more positive. And with Mal, they were very much on the positive and over time have slowly been getting more and more negative, not to the point where Fleeple is like, oh no, Mal is bad. I don't want to hang out with Mal. And it's been much less of a drastic change with Mal than it has been with Lance, Mm -hmm. but it's still moving in that direction. You mean like inky red tendrils coming up from the ground? sucking people to another realm? (laughs) Not normal. (laughs) That might be a little unusual. And there's certainly like a kinship between Fleeple and Mal as far as, hey, we're both terrible misanthropes. And (laughs) we have a lot of similarities in that way. So Fleeple definitely sees a lot of himself in Mal and is largely willing to kind of look over some of this weird stuff. But eventually it's going to get to a point where Fleeple's not able to really ignore it anymore. Hasn't reached that point yet. Probably won't for a while. But... It's moving in that direction. Amazing. Mickey, what are some of your thoughts or what were Mal's thoughts about uh, her relationship with both Lance and Fleeple over the course of these 12, 16 episodes now? 
Um, I find the Mal and Lance's relationship is interesting almost more as an editor re-listening to it and realizing that at the very beginning we did have a very like they did have a bickering mm-hmm. kind of relationship and, and there were several times that uh, I think Jake and I rifted riff, off each other and like would talk over each other that I tried to leave in that they were arguing a lot more and as they go through this kind of harrowing experiences and I think that that trust is starting to be built the bickering has lessened at least the bickering over each other not necessarily that they're so in line with each other but I feel like there's almost a respect on both sides being gained if that makes any sense of they're they're no longer like talking over each other even though they may still be in conflict over what they think should happen and I I found that very interesting that that has come about almost naturally in a way that I I didn't think about it as the character until I was re-listening to it and realizing that's kind of how those characters had developed. And so I think that's for Mal is that respect is being gained and learning how to not just be an aggressor. Mm -hmm. That talking over somebody doesn't mean that's the way that she's going to get her way. That she's going to go out and fight. That she's going to go in and charge in and do this thing because... Sometimes being sneaky is really important, even though she's really bad at it. That <laughs> um, I think Lance is teaching her almost a different way to do things isn't necessarily a bad thing. So I think she's used to getting her way because she's a half work and she's aggressive and she's quite large. And so just by talking louder, you you kind of get your way. And Lance is having none of that, even though he's like a full foot shorter than her. He's very short. How tall is she She's, again? I think six one. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. It's a foot, a foot, basically. Yeah, there's a huge height difference, and so I think that that's something that I was not expecting until re-listening to it and then realizing that that's kind of the relationship that they've had, which I think is very fast, like interesting to me that it's creates come about that way because in my mind I have her as like you know one way and then to really listen to it and realize that these characters are affecting each other and are um, changing as we're interacting with each other um, has been very interesting to me with Fleeple I feel like Mal doesn't know what to do with him (laughs) (laughs) who does because one minute we are buddy buddy and the next moment he's insulting people (laughs) as was discussed in a previous bonus episode Fleeple is the wild card and uh, it seems like he's a wild card with Mal still yeah I think that she really doesn't know what to expect of him in that I think she listens to him a lot more than um, she even expected but even then it's he he has magic sunglasses. There there's so much like swinging from one end to the other <laughs> in him that I I don't know that Mal really knows what to make of him other than he makes a better ally he than He burns uh, people alive yeah. and then gives them cheese. Sausages cure everything and when you can't get your way burn them. Um I I don't think Mal quite knows what to make of him except for he makes a better ally than an enemy. When you really think about it, it's like, you know, people talk about having a midlife crisis 
when you just need a big old change in your life and then you're just grasping for some sort of normalcy, going to wild extremes. Now, the interesting thing with Fleeple is typically a midlife crisis for a kobold would come when they're like six days old. <laughs> um, and here, Fleeple is having his at 74. So a very interesting kind of situation that he's going through. So he's got a lot of stuff built up, a lot of stuff built, and uh, mm. it's just been a long time coming. Well, and going with your point, mm-hmm. Mickey, I because you talked about relationships, I've always felt that Lance and Malamara are almost like siblings, the siblings that are always fighting. They're almost always somehow on mm-hmm. opposites, but yet they're stuck together. And yes. there is some, like, mutual trust for, like, yeah, your side has some points, especially near, obviously, not at the beginning, because, like you said, like, I remember her, like, oh, you're a coward. And he's like, well you're an idiot who runs in to fire and will die. Like there was very much like a, a really kind of like you suck kind of thing, but it was always like a, it always felt like a sibling thing. Like, uh, like I guess I have to hang around mm-hmm. you and, and it's progressed to be more of a mutual respect, but opposite sibling kind of thing. Whereas Lance's, but still opposite. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then Lance's relationship with Fleeple, I've always felt like it's like the two friends in high school that you never thought would be friends. <laughs> like one of them's like the super religious kid. He's like, he's just like, you know, it's always, there's always a bright side. That's Fleeple. Like, you know, like getting into his faith and his faith motivates everything. And Lance mm-hmm. is kind of the kid who's like, who's kind of like the moody, like, man, don't talk to me kind of kid. But yet some. They're listening to Papa Roach in the corner. <laughs> Yes, but then somehow they end up friends and they end up helping each other see more of a worldview that Lance is, there can be some hope, there can be some faith, there can be, there can be some good things happening and you can acknowledge them. Whereas Fleeple, like you talked about, Fleeple seeing a little bit more of the complexities of life through Lance. And I've always felt that. And I don't know, it, it also stems from... It also stems from, well, and this leads to another question, I guess, talking about character relationships and everything, and I guess kind of the morals of it all, because my, the biggest thing I'm curious about, and this might be totally backstory thing, it might be, or it might not, because Lance, Lance's natural alignment, um, even though I won't, I won't necessarily say what is, well, yeah, he's chaotic neutral. He's very neutral. He's like, there's not necessarily all bad or all good. I'm not going to, most things that are labeled bad are actually just superstitious bad. And things that are labeled good can actually do a lot of crap. Um, And so Lance was very surprised when it came to Fleeple and Malamara's relationship with themselves, specifically Uh their race, where Fleeple has this very, all kobolds are bad. Now, mud has changed all of that for us. Mm-hmm. But Fleeple, Fleeple had this very like rigid outlook on kobolds, and he's almost like, I'm the exception. Everything needs to be eliminated. He's basically like the superhero who wants to kill all superheroes so that no one can be superheroes anymore, and yet he's like gathering more power to do it somehow. I don't know. I always felt like that was Fleeple. And then Mal, on the other side of it, is Mal like will not acknowledge that she's half orc. <laughs> like she says, I am human. And I know that has to do with backstory. She doesn't know orcish, you know, as a language. I, guess, I don't know necessarily how to phrase the question, but like, what has, like, where do those inner conflicts come from? I guess that's the question. And I know we might be 
be able to talk about all about it with maybe even Mal's backstory kind of thing and, and maybe Filippo's a little bit too. But mm-hmm. where do those inner conflicts come from just on not even like how they are, but just who they are themselves, like just how they naturally are? Yeah. So this, I there's going to be a future episode that we've already recorded where I get kind of into this, but there was one particular detail that I didn't manage to get in during that. Ooh, okay. So... This fleece that Fleeple is wearing, he's had since he was very, very, very young. Uh, Once, when he was a very young child, um, his parents had disappeared during a raid. That's just kobold life. So he became a child of the clan, essentially. Um, And he was exploring in some of the caves in the marsh where they lived. And he heard this bleeding noise and he found the sheep that was trapped in one of those caves. And he was like, this thing is so soft. It's so kind. I want to be friends with this thing. And he tried to hide it away, but the other kobolds found it and they were like, oh, food, that's food. We're going to eat this thing. And so they took the sheep from him and Fleepo had already given it a name. He named it Thuril, which is draconic for friend. And they took Mm. his friend from him and all that he was left with was the fleece. And... It was, you know, because he had these druidic powers that he was kind of given a place of prestige within the clan and eventually used that fleece as his druidic focus to channel the energy of life and of the earth. And that experience of losing something that meant so much to him because of the greed of these kobolds that he was surrounded by, when he finally kind of came to this realization of what if I don't live my life in a greedy way, then all of that trauma kind of came back to him of that's the reason that I lost my only friend when I was a child is because of this greed, because we're the spawn of Tiamat and that's what we do. We hoard things, we hurt things. And so that in large part is what has led to his current kind of hatred of what he is. That's such a sad and in-depth story. I want that to come out in the campaign. I know. (laughs) I want Mickey to find the the fleece song just for that moment when it comes up in the campaign because it's just that is a very emotionally touching backstory. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's going to come up. Don't worry. But Mickey, why don't you go ahead and uh, follow up to that or any insight from your perspective? Yeah, I'm trying to. um, I'm trying to think of what will come out in a in a D&D session and what wouldn't. Because I, I love that you shared that story because we, mm-hmm. we do talk about it in the future and realizing that there's something that didn't come out. The way that I've written Malamara is that she was raised in a human encampment. Yeah, and we know Malamara's from the spine of the world, for sure, right. uh, which is way far away from where we currently are at. Mm-hmm. And because she was raised in a human encampment... And there's only really so many ways that a half-orc can be made, which I'll leave to your imagination. Um, she she was raised in a human encampment as a half-orc. She's the only one. And so being raised in a way that everyone around her is human, she views herself as human, and because of circumstances that led to her creation, she would view orcs as the enemy, a negative thing, something that the tribe would fight against. And so trying to fight that within herself of trying to be human and trying to fit in with 
everyone around her because that's the way that she was raised. Because most humans don't want to go near orc encampments because orcs are huge and orcs are scary and orcs to most other races are monsters and are terrible things or you know xyz and so being half of that she tries to reject that orc aspect of herself and that's the reason she doesn't speak orc is because she wasn't raised around orcs even though in the handbook it does say Mm -hmm. that half orcs speak orc uh i chose not to because there was no reason that in her life she ever would have encountered and been around orcs enough to know orc right I know that Lance, Lance, he does speak, obviously, from the first episode, as people found out, he does speak orc. And it was so funny when I put that as a Lance feature because it actually, it was a two-part feature because it was one, it actually does have to do with some of Lance's backstory, which will be fun to get into. But two, it was like, hey, this will be a natural way that my character can bond with Mickey's character. And, like, as soon as it was like, (laughs) I don't speak that, I was like, well, that's gone. (laughs) Well, Mickey, you bring up a really good uh, point uh, of just how how you were created and you being the only one in the tribe. Um, it would make, to me, it would make sense that you would shirk the orcish side as much as you can and try to take on because um, what happened, your creation was a tragedy, right? Like, mm-hmm. and you being alive is just a constant reminder of that tragedy and a constant reminder of maybe this fight that your village was having. And so... Yeah, it would totally makes sense why Malamara wouldn't want to acknowledge or lean into her orcish side because everything from her spawn and even before her spawn spoke of how, what a negative experience she was. Right. And so there, there's more that goes into it that hopefully we'll get into the podcast, but I don't, I don't think that reveals anything that wouldn't be said before. That That's why she views herself as human and rejects that half-orc side is... It was a negative thing and everyone around her viewed it as a negative thing. And so you reject that part of yourself because you're trying to blend in, right? As you're growing up, you try to be like Mm -hmm. everybody else. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we'll just wrap it up there for this week's bonus episode. Thank you everybody for joining me here. Ned, Mickey, Jacob, thanks for hopping on and kind of checking in with uh, as our characters and giving a inside look on how all of our characters have developed and uh, everything that's been going on here. Everybody, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of iCast Fireball. We are hoping to do another one of these in November, and we want to get some fan questions out there. We want you to be able to send in some questions that we might have missed on this week's episode. That episode's going to be released November 10th, so we will need all of our questions to be sent out to us at the latest by November 3rd preferably around Halloween, uh, but you can feel free to shoot us an email at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. You can also shoot us a message through Twitter or Instagram at our handle iCastFireball20, and that way we can get those questions compiled and we can shout you out on the podcast while also getting those hard-hitting questions answered. Building on that, if you like what we're doing, please leave us a review on your podcast service of choice. When you leave us a review, it helps boost us in other people's recommended feeds. It lets us know that you like what we're doing, and we'll shout you out on a future episode as well. We'd love to hear from you, and we're hoping to get the word out there and set this podcast on fire. 
As I mentioned previous, to get up-to-date content, join us on that handle of iCastFireball20 on Instagram and Twitter, where you can get sneak peeks of future episodes and interesting insights from the DM. As always, we got a quick shout-out to our sister podcast, Improv Tabletop, where our resident kobold, Ned, takes a turn as the GM and runs through many one-month adventures using the Fate Accelerated Tabletop system. Whether you like tabletop games, improvisation, or just hearing more from Ned, we recommend you go give them a listen. Lastly, like, subscribe, and share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers. But until next time, I'm Thomas, your DM. And around the table, we have Mickey, and I play Malamara. Jacob, and I play Lance Thalen. Ned, and I play Fleetboat. Let's keep that fire going, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>